Hello, this is Peter Woolfolk. First, let me say thank you so much for being a listener. Now, I want to alert you to our shiny new podcast website located at podpage.com. However, you can go directly to the podcast site located at www.publicrelationsreviewpodcast.com. There, you can contact me through email. You can leave a voice message. You can leave a review. You can read an episode blog and frequently learn about the podcast guests. You might also want to suggest podcast topic ideas or even suggest a guest. You can also let me know if you would like to receive our podcast listener logo that you can post on your social media. So I look forward to hearing from you about our new podcast website, www.publicrelationsreviewpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening to the Public Relations Review Podcast and have a great day. Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review Podcast a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals, educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Welcome to the Public Relations Review Podcast and to our listeners all across America and around the world. We know that the accepted approach to the distribution of your message to traditional media with press release distribution services or to them directly has other options. While print and broadcast still has its place, the digital platforms are now reaching audiences faster and in larger numbers. Various institutions have or they're in the process of making this adjustment. Now, just what are the adjustments being made? Well, we have an answer for that. My guest today is Justin Bannister. He is the Associate Vice President of Marketing and Communications at New Mexico State University, and he joins us today from Las Cruces, New Mexico. Justin, welcome to the show. Peter, thank you very much. Now, as we mentioned um, earlier, you had said that you had decided to make some changes as to how you go about effectively communicating your message to the media. First, tell me, what did you notice did you see or know that told you that it's time to make some changes? Sure. Thanks. I, I appreciate that question. So I'm a big fan of constantly improving your processes and your product. Even if you are the top of your class today, if you don't change anything, you're going to find you're not the top of your class tomorrow or the next day. And so I'm a big fan of just looking at what uh, the landscape shows and trying to figure out what's around the next corner. So our public relations outfit at New Mexico State University, I'm sure it's the same for a lot of other public relations outfits at different organizations all over the place. We were built over a great number of years for one, one task, and that is to get our message into local printed newspapers, local and regional printed newspapers on a regular basis. So we found uh, individuals who had that skill set. We built tasks and processes around that skill set. And we were doing a really good job of getting our 
word, our content, uh, the message about New Mexico State University into those uh, enterprises. And I'm certain anybody who pays attention to media or anybody who opens a newspaper or, or turns on the television uh, has noticed uh, that the media industry has changed dramatically over the last 20 years. There aren't as many newspapers that even open in the morning. More and more content's being driven online. And we noticed that, hey, if we don't hurry up and if we don't change the processes that we're using, we're going to miss a really good opportunity to tell the world what's happening at New Mexico State University. So that's when we began to change uh, over to more digital uh, content and digital distribution at NMSU. So what platforms did you decide upon using and how did you go about deciding that particular platform or those particular platforms would work for you? Yeah, so um, I'm Fortunate uh, in a number of circumstances, uh, my training, my bachelor's degree is in journalism and mass communications, and I actually started out in TV journalism. So I'm fortunate to have the background of uh, a journalist and understanding what uh, makes for an interesting news story. And um, I'm also fortunate to be of a um, age demographic that uh, kind of straddles a few different ages when it comes to dis- dissemination of information. And I remember specifically uh, when I left TV news and came to New Mexico State University uh, as, a, as an employee in the communications office, uh, that's really when a lot of the early social media platforms were starting to take off. And I remember specifically this, that to this day, it was about 15 years ago, I went to the, to the lady who, has my, who used to have my position, the, the position I have now, I went to her and said, hey, I think this really might be a good idea if we leverage these social media platforms to get our word out. It's an opportunity for us to take our message directly to the people we want to hear it. And I hope uh, your audience doesn't cringe or doesn't chuckle when I say uh, that the biggest social media platform on planet Earth at that time was MySpace. And we (laughs) made a successful pitch, uh, myself and one of my colleagues, Uh, to launch a MySpace page for New Mexico State University. And we were greeted with some skepticism at first to say, well, what are these guys doing? I'm not really quite sure what what they're all about. And we successfully launched it. And uh, the other great thing about social media, among the many great things about social media, are the metrics involved. So we could go to our bosses and say, this story that we wrote about research happening at NMSU was viewed by this many people. We guarantee this was in front of this many people's faces. And Mm -hmm. we can show that this many people liked it enough to click a heart or a checkbox or a smiley face whatever the social media platform offers, this many people clicked on the link that drove them back to our website, this many people left a comment, and really the metrics were what sold it for them. And, uh, you know, as the continuation of social media grew, we eventually opened up similar platforms with, uh, or similar pages on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And uh, we actually still, uh, to this day, we're continuing to expand our presence. We have TikTok and Snapchat and all all the latest social media platforms as well. Now, does your message change depending upon what that platform is? Yeah, it it, it has to. It really does have to, uh, if only for the sole reason that the platforms are constructed differently and don't allow you to tell the message the same way across every single platform. And uh, like I mentioned with the demographics, 
if you dive into it, you're going to notice that you have different people following you on mm-hmm. Instagram versus Twitter versus Snapchat versus everything else. So different platforms will have more of a focus on video or more of a focus on photos or more of a focus on text and links and hashtags. And so it's really up to you as a, as an entity. And, and if you, if it's just you, that's awesome. If you have some additional resources where it's more than one person tackling this, that's even better, but it's really up to the communications group to go ahead and try to figure out the best way to deliver that message on the different platforms. Now let's just take two of them. You mentioned, of course, uh, Facebook and TikTok. Uh, give us an idea of the message you, or some of the messages or the target audience, if you will, that you would have for Facebook and a target audience that you might have for TikTok users. Sure. So uh, I mentioned MySpace. MySpace, while still around, does not have nearly the, the audience it once had. So uh, that the crown of the biggest social media uh, platform on the planet uh, now belongs to Facebook. And so they, uh, like most operations for us, they are our, our largest social media audience. Mm-hmm. So we can guarantee that we are going to have the most number of eyeballs on anything that we put on the Facebook channel. Uh, what we try to do is try to have a good photo or actually bonus points if you can have multiple photos or even bigger bonus points if you can have a video associated with that that, mm-hmm. that lives natively, natively, that you upload natively to Facebook. So you, you want to have some compelling visual content and you want to have some uh, copy associated there, not too much copy. Uh, I'm probably guilty as anyone with having the shortest attention span possible. So <laughs> anything that gets over a few uh, dozen words is starting to get a little cumbersome for mm-hmm. me to read. But we try to have get yeah, thanks. I, I know, right? So uh, we, we try to get our message across as quickly and as succinctly as we can, again, with the compelling visual content. And then what we also try to do is provide links back to our website that has our archive of every story we've ever really posted over the last decade and a half or so. And so that way we can get those kinds of metrics. Uh, that's one end of the spectrum. That's more, you know, it almost sounds funny to call Facebook a legacy uh, platform, but you know, the way things evolve and change on the internet, it really is the old, mm-hmm. the old, uh, guard when it comes to social media. TikTok is one of the newest guards when it comes to social media. And you really can't do most of those things on TikTok. TikTok, I, I joke that my kids are, are much better at, at TikTok than I am. And, and I'm not necessarily an old, old person by any stretch of the imagination. But that, of course, is going to be a video-centric platform, and it's really difficult to get a lot of – it's not exactly a place people go for research news uh, mm-hmm. from New Mexico State University or uh, landing a big-time grant or anything that would actually be very uh, newsworthy on other platforms probably isn't going to find a whole lot of traction on TikTok. So what we've used TikTok for is a lot of school pride, I think is probably the best a way to describe a lot of that content. It's to showcase our students and alumni and university leaders in a way that's fun and exciting and gets people excited about being part of New Mexico State University. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that serves different functions uh, in the communication field, but I would argue that they're both pretty important. And, and, and sort of getting back to those platforms, I, w- I would imagine you also have a mission for those messages. In case of Facebook, because perhaps you do have a, maybe a more mature audience, 
Are you attempting to bring in graduate students, students to continue their education who may have dropped out of college? Tell me what perhaps some of the missions are for, let's say, a Facebook message or a continuum of Facebook messages from uh, New Mexico State. Yeah, and actually, I think that also kind of goes to the versatility of social media and the different kinds of the the different ways you can use it uh, as a tool in your tool belt when it comes to talking to folks. So uh, a lot of what we've talked about so far uh, is really on the public relations slash communication side of the spectrum, where we have a story that we think benefits us if more people know about it. So that's what we put out there on social media. And we actually at New Mexico State University have an entire communications and media relations team, and and that's one of their functions is to generate that kind of content. We also have at NMSU, uh, part of our marketing and communications unit is our marketing and web communications team. And that's where most of our social media uh, experts uh, reside. And there it's more of the paid uh, media kind of advertising. So if we want to say, yeah, I, I, I like to, to break things into paid media, earned media, and uh, uh, shared media and owned media. Mm-hmm. So with the paid uh, media side of things, where we pay people money to get our message in front of folks, social media, uh, really digital online communications eats up the majority of that budget. Uh, we put most of our advertising dollars towards Google AdWords, but then we also divvy up pretty healthy chunks to Facebook slash Instagram, uh, also uh, Twitter and some of the other social media channels there as well. And that's where we would actually push messages again across social media to drive enrollment per se and mm-hmm. to get folks who are interested, high schoolers uh, interested and becoming uh, students at our university or folks who already have their uh, bachelor's degree, encouraging them to come back and pursue a master's or a doctoral degree at NMSU. And that's something we spend a whole lot of time on as well. And we do, again, it it speaks to the versatility of social media. Uh, One of my favorite things we get to do there is uh, A-B testing. We have a couple of messages that we think are really good, but they're Mm -hmm. different. And we have the opportunity to show uh, different segments of our population, message one and message two. And after a week or so, we'll look at it and say, hey, message two is outperforming message one, two to one. Let's go ahead and dump message one, or maybe we should tweak message one and see if we can get the performance to increase there. So it's really stuff that was not even possible is 10, 15 years ago. None of this stuff was possible. And now it's the world we live in. Mm hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting. One of my guests, though, probably around the first part of the year was a, a lady by the name of Katie Payne, uh, Katie Delahaye Payne. And maybe you've seen her name around the uh, Public Relations Society uh, publications because she uh, is known as the queen of measurement. And uh, she's, mm. <clears throat> so she's, uh, you know, gave a very enlightening interview about a lot of things that can be done. And because One of the things, as you alluded to, was that senior officials want to see, well, what benefits do we get from going through these exercises? And now you can show, perhaps, that as a result of this particular ad, maybe more people went to sign up for uh, information on a particular course or graduate studies or continuation of studies, those kinds of things. Uh, Is that the sort of thing that interests uh, your senior officials? Oh, absolutely. We, we're almost to a, par, a point where we live and die by those measurements. 
there is no university in the country that has too much money. Everybody is always going to be budget conscious. <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. So uh, everybody is going to be budget conscious and they are going to want you to be able to justify the investments that you're making in any kind of area. Mm-hmm. And we're fortunate through social media that one, we can again show you, okay, this many people saw what we put out on online. And then if you do it correctly and if you follow the right steps with different kinds of tracking, not only can you say how many people saw your advertisement, they can show you how many people clicked on your advertisement and landed on a landing page. And so we get that measurement. Then we also know how many people came from social media to that landing page and then gave us their contact information. They liked what they saw so much. They wanted to give us their name and their phone number and their email so we can begin a conversation with them. And then we can track it even further after we get their contact information to say, hey, this person saw our ad, gave us their info, now they applied, now they've been accepted, and now they're actually taking classes this fall, and we can track them all the way back. And that's the kind of, uh, uh, those are the kind of metrics that senior leaders really, really want to see. They want to see a return on the investment, and that's how you prove it. Mm-hmm. Now, we've, we've talked about, obviously, uh, current media. Do you still use traditional media broadcast, you, you know, have stuff on local TV stations and uh, newspapers there? We do. We're fortunate that we have, um, and again, uh, nobody has too much money, uh, but we are, we've got a healthy-ish uh, advertising budget. So, as I mentioned, we do have uh, some of our biggest chunks in digital online advertising. And again, the Google AdWords is in YouTube uh, are the bigger players there, along with Facebook and Instagram. But we still also try to uh, complement those efforts with traditional advertising as well. I always like to point, and, and I've had these debates with some other folks in our industry, I, I, I point to some uh, psychological and human behavior uh, studies that have been done that show if you are a consumer and you see an advertisement somewhere out in the world, whether it's a TV commercial or a billboard or something to that effect, and then you see a very similar, you see the same product with a very similar presentation in an online format, you're actually more likely to click on that online if you've seen it someplace else out Mm -hmm. in the wild before. So we're big believers on that. So we try to make sure that folks are seeing our message on different platforms and different locations. And we do believe that helps us drive up engagement. You know, on occasion, one of the things that I've come across of when, and again, it depends upon the audience, uh, that you have what I would consider op-ed material. You want to reach decision makers. Decision makers still read the newspapers, the daily news, uh, business journals, those sort of things, op-eds in the newspapers. Is that all part of your media mix as well? It is. Uh, We do a healthy amount of op-eds and print uh, advertising as well. Uh, There are op-eds have a higher degree of difficulty uh, for us because you have to really have a a compelling uh, argument that a a university leader, in our case, a university leader or an organizational leader can uh, not only articulate in an op-ed form, but also make sure that it's relevant to the news of the day Mm -hmm. and uh, bonus points of that ties somehow to the mission of your enterprise, whether again, if it's a university or some other kind of entity. So there's some extra layers of difficulty there, but if you can execute it, uh, I, I think that's uh, time well spent. 
You know, as a former vice president of University of Communications Department myself some years ago, one of the things that I wanted to do simply because the story goes, you don't always have to, the story doesn't always have to be about you, but sometimes you can be in the story. And what I did was put together a directory of some of our experts around the university in various topics. And I actually got on a plane and flew to a journalist conference and started meeting journalists and handing this out as a way of all, mm-hmm. have them calling our people to be quoted on whatever it is, uh, uh, sun disruptions, climate change, whatever it happens to be. That seems to be a, an effective way that I'm not sure people might still do that, but the fact is is that people give more credibility to they read of if they if they read about you in a story as compared to, compared to reading and advertising about the institution. Do you still find use for that particular approach? Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent. I mean, it's almost not fair that universities are these gathering points for incredibly smart, uh, incredibly talented individuals. Uh, you don't see it in other industries. So, yeah, we have at New Mexico State University, we have experts in virology. And guess what? Uh, the news today with COVID-19, our experts in virology are getting a lot of media calls. Mm-hmm. And uh, whatever the news of the day happens to be, if you're at a university, there's there's a really good chance that you've got somebody who's an expert in that topic area. So, yeah, we that's a tactic that we utilize on a regular basis and it's it's really an opportunity for us to 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 showcase uh the tremendous researchers the tremendous faculty members we have at the university and whenever uh folks see the expertise that they are lending to a story and then by the way it has their name comma professor comma new mexico state university that is earned media placement Mm -hmm. that you gained or garnered in whatever publication that that is now being run in so yes it's a tremendous tool i recommend leveraging it as often and as frequently as you possibly can like I said, it's it's almost not fair that universities are built to have so many of these folks. But the, I'm I'm certain if you look around in whatever organization that you work for, there would be opportunities to showcase the individuals that you have there as experts in their field. Mm-hmm. Now, how about the students? Uh, do you have a marketing department where students come in, uh, obviously, to get degrees in marketing or degrees in public relations or public relations, uh, a PRSA chapter there. Do you have those things there as well? Yes, lots of uh, diverse areas of study for students. So, yeah, we have marketing, uh, which is actually separate from advertising, which is separate from journalism and mass communications. We also have a uh, creative media um, degree program at NMSU. So a lot of diverse skill sets there. And we notice, one, whenever uh, we see a stellar student in those areas, we we try to uh, snatch them up as quickly as we can. Mm -hmm. And and one of the things that I tell um, anybody I can find who is a student or at that point in their life where they're trying to uh, get a critical mass enough to get a job and to excel in their career, I tell them the the more you can diversify your skill set, the better off. Uh, you are going to be. And and that actually, I I speak from personal experience on that. I mentioned I was trained as a journalist. uh, So as a a student, and I was trained in TV journalism. So a a lot of folks who were coming out of journalism school at my time, 
uh, the same time I did. They were uh, tr they, they wanted to be TV reporters and focused on TV reporting and didn't really know how to work a camera or edit video. And I knew how to do all three of those. And uh, turns out uh, if a TV station can pay one person to do those three jobs instead of three <laughs> people to do those same jobs, mm -hmm. they're going to go with the one person. <laughs> so that gave me the inside track to get my first job out of college. And I noticed that and I said, hey, I should try to pick up as many of these kinds of skills as possible. So that's when I started to lean heavily into the social media and and photography and other things. And, you know, I'm probably not as good at a lot of them as I once was. But I, I tell anybody who's beginning their career that it's only going to benefit them if they can demonstrate that they've got a diverse set of skills uh, to a potential employer. Well, you know, well-spoken um, well because I have the same sort of diverse background. I started out in radio uh, some years ago, almost by accident. Uh, but radio led me into TV because one of the things that I did, uh, I'm a native of Washington, D.C., and I just happened to go into the uh, National Education Association to interview someone, and one thing led to another. The next thing, I was offered a job there, and part of that job uh was uh, being an MC or uh, anchor, if you will, for their uh, satellite news feed. But what I also learned while I was there is how to uplink and downlink shows. You know, from the satellite, how, how do I get them down? How do I mm -hmm. get them up there? All of those kinds of things. When I went to Congress, because I was in radio, had done television, those other sort of things, it's also problem solving. I had a congressman who was down in South America. I wanted to have him do a live interview with the... Uh, uh, media in New York. How do I make that happen? So, you know, I was able to come up with some ideas to have him on the phone down there and with the phone people in New York. So you're absolutely right. The more experience that you have in different things that you can apply to either PR or journalism or media certainly makes you a much more valuable employee. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Justin, this has been great fun. I'm just wondering if perhaps you might have some closing wisdom that you would like to impart uh, to our listeners. Oh, man. Oh, man. Put me on the spot. <laughs> so uh, if I could leave anybody with anything, uh, I think what served uh, me best is even if you think you're in the best of times uh, right now when it comes to your career or when it comes to your enterprise, uh, it's, that's probably the absolute best time for you to be panicking and to be thinking, okay, what if things went wrong? What's around the next corner? And I think that's actually served me incredibly well uh, during my time as a leader uh, in this field. And uh, the good times don't always stick around, but the bad times don't always stick around either. But if you can figure out a way to position yourself before those difficult times uh, present themselves, you're going to be so much further ahead of everybody else. And then once the upswing begins again, you're going to be able to leapfrog over other folks. Well, great. Well, Justin, thank you so very much for uh, joining us. My guest today has been Justin Bannister as the Associate Vice President for Marketing Communications at New Mexico State University. And, of course, if you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a review and also tell your friends. And please join us again for the next edition of the Public Relations Review. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies, an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us.
Hi, this is Peter Woolfolk speaking. Now, first of all, thank you so very much for listening to the podcast. Now, I am very excited to let you know that the podcast is now available on Amazon Alexa. You know the drill. Simply say, Alexa, play Public Relations Review Podcast, and she'll take it from there. And again, thank you for listening. And if you enjoy the program, please become a subscriber. Now, on to the podcast.